The Irish are a nation of storytellers. Our stories are embedded in us and in our landscape. Welcome to Tales and Trails podcast in partnership with Discover Ireland, a brand new and immersive audio experience that invites you to walk the Irish countryside with us. Today I'll be joined by Irish Olympian boxer and world champion Andy Lee. From humble beginnings, Andy Lee went on to reach the very highest levels of success in his chosen field, but has maintained a grounded attitude and approach to life that is both refreshing and inspirational. Today Andy and I will take on the Sheep's Head Lighthouse Loop on Ireland's Wild Atlantic Way, a stunning coastal trail that takes in breathtaking cliff walks and spectacular 360 views. Located just north of the Mizzen Peninsula, this walk offers a unique view south to Mizzen Head and north to Bear Island. Starting at Bernie's Cup on Tay Cafe at the Taurine Trailhead, the Sheep's Head Lighthouse Loop is 4.2 kilometres in distance and takes about 90 minutes to complete. It does get a little steep and rocky at points, so a good pair of walking or hiking boots are essential. Make sure to visit the Tales and Trails hub on loveand.e to plan your short break in County Cork, where we've highlighted some accommodation, the best restaurants and things to do in the area. You are a former middleweight champion, yes? Yeah. Was it everything you ever dreamt of? Um, yeah, it was, it was. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's hard to fully... You comprehend <laughs> it's a big, 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 <laughs> it's a big question. Big, uh, yeah, big question. <laughs> and there are a lot of different facets to it. Like, but in the end, it, it, it does live up to expectations. When you've worked all your life for it, and then um, it, uh, I turned pro, and then it looked like that was just a foregone conclusion. That the way, well, the way I was being built up and the fights I was having and the success I was having, that... This was, it was just going to be a natural progression that eventually I'd become a world champion. But then um, it doesn't always work out the way it's planned. You know, I lost uh, a fight early on, built myself back up after a number of years, got a, a world title fight, and then I lost that. And uh, like, it was like I'd never make it, you know. And then um, eventually, you know, I got there in the end. And I guess the whole journey, it teaches you you know, that teaches you to appreciate it. You said it wasn't something that maybe that you always dreamt of because of the different various, um, when was it the first time that you were like, okay, this is actually a possibility, was it maybe after the Olympics? In 2004, Yeah, it? well, I was always good, like, I was always winning as a boxer, and but never thought, like, I just thought I'd do it to a certain age and then whatever. So I'd like, pack it in, something would else would happen, I'd pack it in, but... Um, I, we, my, I was born in London, and um, Irish family obviously, and then we moved back to Limerick when I was 14. And we went from London, where you would have a lot of interest and outside, you know, like a lot going on. And then we went to rural County Limerick. Not kind of rural, but yeah, definitely. Outside of a town, or yeah. even a village. So there wasn't a lot going on, and really the only social outlet I had was boxing. And so I invested more in that, and then, uh, when I was about 18, 17, 18, I realised that, yeah, this could be something I could be good at. Because I was always winning and becoming, like, part of the national team. So, yeah, I just, I dedicated myself to it. I remember making a conscious decision like that. I'll give it a go. And uh, not long after that, I won a silver medal at the World Championships. And Emmanuel Stewart got in touch with me, who was a legend in boxing. And um, How big was that for you? When he got in touch. Oh, it's, it's, I thought it was a joke, you know, I thought that I thought someone was winding me up because, it, like, I've said it before, it's like the equivalent of, like, 
Alex Ferguson ringing a young lad from Limerick and saying, come play for Man United now, you know? And that's basically what he was saying, come to the Crown Tune, come to Detroit, I'll train you, I'll manage you, and you'll be a world champion. So it was here, like it was, you know, it was... Was that the first time then you were like, right, I am going to be a world champion? Yeah, just first time thought like... Or it's a possibility. The idea of becoming like, because up to that point in Ireland, there wasn't many pro boxers, you know, it'd be very rare that someone would, would go, go professional, they would usually stay in the amateur system. And boxers amateurs, you know? Yeah. And uh, so there wasn't that, those kind of avenues there. So it was the first time in my head that, oh, this could be a reality for me. So. And how did Emmanuel hear of your name? Um, I'd beaten one of these fighters in a, well, I went to Cuba in 2002, fought in, in the World Championships, and uh, along the way, I'd beaten this American fighter named Jesus Gonzalez. And he was like the number one in America, but he was sponsored by Emmanuel, and Emmanuel was kind of grooming him. And then all of a sudden he gets beat, and he turns out, he said, Emmanuel said, Who beat him? Well, I'm just recounting the story from the way Emmanuel used to. He said, Who beat Jesus? And he's like, This tall, skinny kid from Ireland beat him. <laughs> but when, the, when, when they won, the guys who were celebrating with him in the ring had crunk shirts on. So one of the coaches on the Irish team, his gym in Belfast was a Kronk kind of affiliated gym and had gotten a Kronk shirt. So Emmanuel got in touch with them, they got in touch with me and the whole thing just happened. You know, it's boxing in the end. It really is a small community. It's not too hard to get hold of anybody really, you know. And then that was your life made nearly at that age, was it? <sighs> yeah. To get that phone call. If someone yeah, gets yeah, phone call, of course, of course, yeah, yeah, it is, but it's also like, the most, like the main part of it, like because initially I hadn't, I, we spoken and I was thrilled and, but you know the dream and the reality never, never really the same, you know. Very true. Um, so you got to keep yourself grounded. Yeah, I told him at that time I'm going to stay to the Olympics, and I did. Um, boxing Olympics, and I said oh, we'll, we'll talk after that, and I eventually went to Detroit. And, but I'd stayed amateur up until like afternoon and boxed a few fights and I initially thought I'll, I'll stay amateur because I could win a medal at the next Olympics. Things would be, you know, I'd be more older. I'd, the Irish Sports Council had given me a big kind of put together a package and incentive for me to stay amateur and I thought like this is the more sensible, more secure kind of route to no, to go. But I realised after maybe five or six fights staying amateur that I, not that I wasn't motivated just that I turned down the bigger challenge you know the more yeah just to play it safe in a way that I could have like not that I was boxing within myself but um I there was a it was the path as we're on a path now. <laughs> like you know I didn't take the path the path less trodden you know I kind of stayed in my safety zone, comfort zone almost, and I kind of always thought, I kind of knew then that if I don't do it now, I've only got a small window, I'll always think, what what, what if what I'd if? gone? Yeah, what if I'd gone? So, um, then I upsticks and moved to Detroit, and... Uh, Just like that? What age you? <laughs> I was 20, 21, 21, yeah. And you head over yourself? Yeah. To Detroit. Was what was that like? You, did you feel lost at all over there? Or no. Did you know it was right? I didn't feel I didn't feel lost. Uh, it was a big change, cultural change, yeah. But 
I was lucky because I was with Emmanuel Stewart, you know, and like you walk anywhere with Emmanuel, you're kind of you're welcome with open arms, especially in Detroit. And I was in the gym, you know, I was in the crown gym. You walk in there and you look on the walls and you see the fighters that are there. Even when I walked in, it's, it's the home of champions. You know, you could see why there were so many great fighters come out of there. And I knew in that sense I was in the right place. So that was it. So you felt at home nearly? <laughs> you felt more at home? Yeah. I felt I was just I just kind of jumped into the challenge of it, you know, because I had to prove myself there. They didn't care who I was. I was an Olympian, world medalist, the European medalist. They didn't care, you know. I was just, especially walking in when you've got Emmanuel Stewart with you, you know, wrapping your hands and like giving you, you know, they were giving like, me, they're giving me the new boot, the new boots and the new gloves and the, the crunk outfits and stuff and like. Those guys have been in the gym for the last two or three years and they haven't got any of them, you know? And they say, it's a ta like, you're walking in there with a target on your back, you know? So, um, you had to prove yourself, you had to. And you did. <laughs> yeah, eventually, yeah, eventually. <laughs> you said you had a few setbacks, like it wasn't a straight enough path and the Olympics, you had some pretty bad injuries, didn't you? On the... Oh yeah, in the running to the Olympics. That was like, as well, in the running to the Olympics, in the qualifiers, in the first, Going, even going into the qualifiers, I had a hand injury on my left hand and then I couldn't train, couldn't really spar properly. And then in the first fight, um, in the qualifiers, I, I break, well, I get two stress fractures in my right hand. So then I was really banjacked, you know, but... It's about your hands. Yeah, so I won the next fight by just, I, I kind of got through it. Um, by punching to the body, because the body is the south of target. I'll I won keep that, that fight. <laughs> And then uh, I had my hands injected for the, for the qualifying fight and I won. But then that persisted and all the way through the Olympics I had to get my hands injected and Jeez. it was just, yeah, it just wasn't... Did that idea. leave any long-term damage or was it... No. Okay. Like, it's, it's funny because when I turn professionally you think longer fights, smaller gloves. I didn't have any hand injuries because of the hand wrapping you can use in professional boxing. It's a lot more... It's a lot, it's a lot, lot more protective for your hands, so... I kind of hand injuries lessened as the, the longer I went on. Was that the biggest setback you had in your career? Um, no, there were like, I don't know, I had um, uh, several cuts and I had to, I was one period where I had like six or seven months out because I had to really let the hit, cut heal. That, but I'd there say was that's frustrating, is it? Like, trying to, like, because it's a cut, you're thinking, yeah. I'm out for so long here over a cut. Yeah. Ugh, it's a long story as well. I had, it, it opened several times the same cut. I had to eventually have a surgery to remove the scar tissue, but that was they call like in terms of injuries in boxing, it's I don't know. It was okay. Once you yeah. stay mentally tough, you you can stay on top of it. Yeah, um, I don't know. You're just so your body's so conditioned to going through those things. You know, like being punched and being and punching yourself. So you don't. I don't know. I I I, I never suffered with injuries a lot of the time. You went through all this. You got your hands on that belt. What was it like? What was that feeling like? Um, so like the, the 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 biggest most overriding feeling was obviously I was very happy, but it was just a, like a pure satis pure satisfaction. That's the only way I can describe it because just to go through that many years. I think well, I turned professional in 2006, and then to, it wasn't until 2014 that I actually. So that's a long time. Eight. It's a long time, you know. So I knew it was my last chance at that stage in my life. The struggles I'd had to get fights, to get the type of fights I wanted, and then just to get it as well, and, and to get it in a fight I was losing to come back from, you know, six six rounds down, 
and to knock knock him out. It was, it was sweet, you know. It was sweet. And to, like there were so many reasons, like because I, I the way I done it in Las Vegas was a place that me and Amanda spent a lot of time. Um, and I, like it was, it was, it was just, it was, it was a perfect kind of outcome, you know. So you're saying about the mental battle and things like preparing yourself in bed. How did you learn how to do that? Like, what was? Did someone teach you to do that, or were you just like, okay, I can do this? No, I think you build up tools and or skills or whatever. That mental skills from from young age. I think if you start anything at a young age, it's always a huge advantage to someone starting later off in life because. You're either going to be good, you're good at it or not good at it. And also, you're good at it because you've built up these skills of preparing for big events, big fights. Like my first fight, I was 11 years old. Um, yeah, and you, like, you, obviously, as soon as you know you're fighting, and even as a professional, it's, all this, it's always in the forefront of your mind, always. It's all you're thinking about, and every decision you make. Hopefully, hopefully it's like helping you succeed in that fight. So you build up the like kind of things like and and in some ways, well, you can't really put too much into it either. You know, kind of have to find a happy balance where you're just prepared. You kind of have to kind of find like a level of calm and kind of focus because you can be too invested as well and want it too much. You know that you kind of act out or rely on emotion to get you through and I like yeah I, I think it, it's a it's a it's, it is like someone said and I kind of fully agree with it that like when you're training it's 80% physical and 20% mental but when you're actually fighting it's the complete reverse it's like 80% mental and it's only 20% physical because up to that point you've gone through it all, you know exactly what you have to do. Your body is always, is like, your body's almost ready to do what it has to do automatically. So you're nearly an autopilot. Yeah. There are some fights like where, there are some fights that are slow and you have to be kind of strategic, you have to kind of think through a fight. But when a fight, when you're in like the middle of a fight and it's really, really heavy going and when it's like, when you evenly match with your opponent and it's, doesn't, you don't think, you don't think. It's all just actions. Yeah, it's just practice and instincts that are built up through repetition of doing something like countless times in the gym and building up those reactions. And like, like some of my my best knockouts are like some of the ones that pop up all the time that are like the highlight ones. I I can remember throwing those punches, landing those punches. And then after I've landed, thinking, throw that punch. You know, like the action happens, the thought happens, then the action happens. You know, it's the, but the, a lot of times it's the like, action happens and the thought. Then, like then you, th in the same time, but almost before it, you ha you do the action and then the like. I can remember when I, I used to be training. I was training with a man who used to do it for years. Um, he had a certain style, but then when I went, when he passed away in 2012, I started training with Adam Booth in London. And he had a different style, and he was always very vocal in the corner, always like barking instructions. Not, I wouldn't say bark, <laughs> but giving instructions. You know, do this, do that, do this, do that. And one day we were, I was inspiring. I said, Adam, just just for this round, I said, just don't say nothing. Let me spar and let's see how it goes. And it was my best best round. Best it was your best. best I'd ever sparred. And he said, I said, Adam, because 
And I realized then that by the time he told me to do something, it was too late, you know, by the time he saw it, I, he saw you it and there. I saw it, the moment had passed. And like, those little things that happen in, in those moments, like it's all, it's all in the subconscious that it happens so quick that you like, it's out before you thought yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah. So when you're looking back at those... You have to stop and think and... You have to stop and think and then do it. It's too late, you know? You're done. Yeah, You'll be caught. Late, yeah. So when you're looking back at those fights, do you remember throwing the punches or do you remember yeah. looking back from the videos you've seen? Because <laughs> yeah. you're so immersed in it. Yeah. You? Some of them I do really remember. Some of them... Like, the, I can remember... I don't remember... There was one punch against John Jackson. Um... It was a fight I was losing, and a fight I had to win, or else I, my career was over. And I was I was knocked down in the first round, losing the rounds. I think it was the sixth round or something. He has he's pulling me on the ropes. I'm hurt, and he comes at me to finish me, and I I catch him with a counter right hand, and the fight's over. I don't remember the actual the, the actual knocker, but I remember walking away in the, like half a second after he landed the punch, and thinking. I remember saying, don't get up to him. You know, in my head, I, like, I looked over my shoulder and said, don't, Please, Lord, yeah, don't, don't get, get up. up. Like, don't get up. <laughs> and he, and for, like, for me, luckily, he didn't. So, uh, you said you are knocked down the first in that fight. What's it like trying to get back up psychologically when you've been knocked down yeah. and you're on the back? It was actually my first time ever experiencing being knocked down, but I was actually quite calm and quite, I don't know, analytical. I just said, like, okay, I've been knocked down. It's the first round of 12, so I've got 12 rounds to box my way back into this. It's probably the best time for it ever, for it ever to happen. Good way to look at it. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what I said about doing, just trying to get get some foothold in the fight. Um, but yeah, that's that's just the way it goes. Like there, There's been different knockdowns, like after that. Uh, one fight in particular, I fought a guy called Peter Quillen, who was like, the hardest puncher I've ever fought in my life. And... I think he knocked me down in the second or third round, and I don't recall any of the fight. I don't recall it. Like I, I can, I remember getting up off the stool in the last round and saying to my coach, "How's the fight going? Am I in the fight? Should I go for a knockout?" And he says, "No, just keep boxing in the fight," because he knocked me down again after that. But I had knocked him down once as well, and uh, I knew I didn't know what the way the fight was. I just I didn't know where like. <laughs> <laughs> How do you become uh, so disconnected in those situations? You, it's because you're so immersed in it. No, you. you I, th I think it's probably down to like you're probably concussion. Yeah, you just, just a few sheep here now. Be careful. <laughs> this one's coming for us. Yeah. All right, mate. Everyone loves short breaks, but to really experience a place, you have to get out there. A walk helps you clear your head and truly connect with where you are. Whether you're wandering, rambling, or hiking, walking makes your break. Make sure to visit the Tales and Trails Hub in partnership with Discover Ireland on loveand.ie, where you'll find inspiration for your next walking break in Ireland. As you walk along the trail towards the Sheep's Head Lighthouse, make sure to look to your left for stunning views of Mizzen Head. After a short uphill climb, you'll be greeted by views of Bear Island and Loch Akeen to the north and Mizzen Head to the south. The perfect combination of rugged landscape mixed with astonishing sea views. Bear Island is an incredibly storied piece of land. The Martello Terrace date back to the Napoleonic Wars, and because of the West Corks Island's position at the mouth of Europe's deepest harbour, it was also the base of several American ships who were defeated at Pearl Harbour during World War II. The island is a hugely popular tourist spot, great for diving, sea safaris, deep sea fishing and water sports. 
Keep your eyes peeled for bottlenose dolphins, basking sharks, and even killer whales, who regularly pop up to say hello in these waters. Uh, can we just take a moment to appreciate the, the walk here? Yeah, it's absolutely stunning. And I'm waffling on, but it's... Uh, <laughs> It's probably what we're here for. We should, we're here probably, for we should probably just be in silence and just appreciate the beauty because it's, it's uh, it is lovely. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna be able to see the sheep's head uh, lighthouse now in a couple of minutes. We've got one or two zigzags to come, but um, as you can see here, it's pretty much vast water sea in front of us, and uh, it's pretty funny to think that like this was the tip or the edge of the world for some people mm -hmm. back in the day, looking at this thing and that there's nothing out there. It's crazy to think. Okay, we've got some cows on our hands here now. Yeah. A couple, of a couple of calves and a few calves. That's a big yoke, isn't it? Well, it is like, yeah, it's, it's crazy to think that we're down here and how people lived here, you know. Such so like, it's a beautiful landscape, but it is, you can see it being a very tough place to, to live. To live, exactly, you know, yeah. And we're here on a nice day as well. Imagine it anyway, <laughs> rough, like, we're on the sea cliffs here, it wouldn't be the easiest place. So I suppose we should digress a little bit back into when you were growing up and stuff like that. What were you like as a kid? Oh, I was like a middle child. Uh, two older brothers and an older sister, and then a younger brother and a younger sister, so middle of six. But uh, oh, it's hard to say yourself, isn't it? But I was, yeah. I was pretty young. I think of all the kids, uh, the boxers anyway, the boys, the three other brothers, you think if you saw us as kids, who which of them would want to become a world champion? I definitely would. Like I would probably been the last one. To, to would have said. Um, Why? Uh, I was a short, fat kid, uh, and uh, I was a fighter. All my brothers were really classical boxers. They would stand up, but I don't know because I was I don't know smaller, shorter, fatter. Probably felt like I had to fight more, so I was to be a fighter. It wasn't until later on that kind of grasped the, the boxing, you know? The technical side of Yeah, things. yeah. But they were all much more talented than me, honestly. Um, but, and I've seen it like, uh, when I came out to the Irish team, like there were lads on the team who were way better than me, you know? Um, but they never ended up becoming, not even winning, like, they never even won, they never won a European medal or a Vancio. Whatever, got the Olympics. Because they had other they had other things in their life, you know, like they would have had I think the fact that like the part that I would the fact that we moved to Limerick and that boxing was probably the only thing I really had because I didn't go to school in Ireland. Um, so I didn't really have the social kind of same social outlets that they had. Like there were times when they'd be going for Debs and getting ready for the leaving certs and all of those things that were taken away from boxing. I'm not recommending this for anybody, but this is just simply, some simply, this is just the way it was. This way it worked out for you. Yeah, and um, they had things to take them away from it, and uh, I had nothing else, so I just was so dedicated and focused on it. Was it a tough transition when you moved over here when you were 14? Yeah, it was. It was different. It was difficult. Yeah, but what it did. You were boxing already at the time, though. Yeah, um, it was tough. I like. Obviously, you're leaving all your friends at that age. It's, it's hard to make new friends, and whatever. There's a lot going on at 14, 15, 16. But uh, it did bring me and my younger brother closer together, you know? 
because we had nobody else <laughs> not to, 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 to hang out with. So. Just scrapping each other. Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of that too, yeah. But um, yeah, it did, did bring us close together and became like very close and friends. And like, he would, when I turned professional, he would travel to Detroit and stay with me for, for long periods of time. And in, 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 in only most of all of my training camps, he would be there. And he was the like, he was the one person I knew I could depend on, and knew that he didn't have any of the motivation to be there just because only that he, he cared for me, you know. So uh, yeah, that was that was probably the one, not the one, but one of the nicest things that came out of it. That's absolutely lovely to hear that. Looking back now, if you didn't have boxing, you're like, I know it's a it's a hard question to answer, yeah. but like, what do you think you would have done, or where do you think you would have been? I don't know, like. Where, where, where I come from, my, my culture, being a, like a gypsy, there's a certain path that's set out for you. You know, there's not like, you know, there's not many avenues or opportunities that you can really explore. Because most of the time you, you leave school young, you start working, you get married young, and that's that's basically it. You know, you kind of, you just, you have to, it's, it's, an old, it's an old fashioned way of life that the man works and provides and the women usually stay at home and raise the kids and that's that's basically the way it's been for years and still is to this day. Um, so it's very hard to see me breaking out of that. It was only through boxing and traveling with the Irish team and meeting people from outside of those circles that I got to, I don't know, broaden my horizon, open my eyes to a different way of life. Um, and it's not an easy decision, not an easy call like when you go from, you know, even bridging it with your, with your family and people who, who are still in that world to tell them that I want something else, you know, I want a different way of life. And not that the different way of life is much, much better or the right, the better better life, it's just a different, a life. different life. Yeah. You know what this is up ahead this, of us? A little uh, helicopter landing zone. Is it? Yeah. Um, so the lighthouse that we're about to see, um, they had to bring all the equipment over via helicopter and it actually took them 250 trips to bring all the equipment over to build the lighthouse that we're going to see. So I think that's where they, they landed when they came over. We'll just scale down. So sorry, do you think, well, do you want to sca no, I'd say, you know, we'll scale know. down first? Or yeah, I know, I think like, uh, I think in boxing I had all the opportunities, yeah. Um, and outside of boxing? I didn't really look for much. I didn't really need much else, you know? Um, I don't know. I see yourself submersed in boxing. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And then you're going for your early life, then you've had your championship, and then you come to the, the end of it, the end of your boxing career. Like, how did you make the decision to retire? Uh, there was a number of factors. Um, I'd lost the world title um, in 2000, late 2015. Mm -hmm. And um, couldn't get a rematch with the guy. Well, there's a number of things. I actually fought the fight with a detached retina. Um, Sorry? Yeah, I fought the fight. Because the fight was supposed to, it was originally scheduled for June of 2015, but it was cancelled three times and reorganised, reorganised, and really just dragged out and went on to, way too long. And it probably, probably ended up with me not boxing to my best because the training was so long and drawn out, and mentally at that stage I was kind of burnt out. But I'd, you, for every fight you get a physical and an eye test and I'd had those for the previous times the fights was arranged and it was still good for 
the, the, the eventual fight, but I can remember one day inspiring. I remember actually when it happened that I got bang on the eye. Didn't say nothing to nobody because that's just how you, you know. <laughs> um, and then I go. I used to be out when I'd be out running at night. If I took it like if I look sharply to my right, I would see like a flash of light. And I, I again, I just, I just kept it to myself because I didn't want the fight to be cancelled. I didn't, and I probably should have now. But you okay, so, so, I don't know. Like some ways, I do. Some ways I do. Um, because the fight might never have happened. But then I would have had to take out. I don't know if I would have had to vacate my belt because I would have been had to take take at least six months for the recovery, the surgery, and all that. But so it was the only option in your head at the time. I didn't know. I didn't know what the full issue was. I didn't know that if it was detached. I didn't know, you know. So I just knew that this was happening. That I was getting those flash of lights. But I still prepared training wise. It didn't affect me. Like I don't know. I don't think it affected me in the fight. But um, anyway, so I'd lost the fight, the championship fight, and then I had that period of time off where I had to recover from from, from the retina detachment, and then. Um, shortly after that, my wife gets pregnant, so there's a baby on the way, and you then, once that happens, you kind of your priorities change, and I don't know. I, I just it was yeah. one thing that led to the yeah. Other. That uh, is it. Is it weird knowing that you're not going to be doing what you've been doing your whole life? Yeah. Well, that's that's the biggest thing to get your head around. In the like, once you announce it, because I kind of I had a I had one more fight in 2017, and then my daughter was born shortly after. And then, so I kind of had made the decision that I was going to take time out to be to, to be with her, you know, because I, it's I have, um, it's like it's luxurious, but like to be able to like spend that time with newborns, not many people get to do that, you know. So I got to do that, and then all of that time, you're kind of moving away from it. I'm not you're not training as much. You know, there are different things filling your mind, especially a daughter, um, and so. Yeah, then I kind of made the decision and announced it in February 2018. And that's the biggest thing, getting your head around the fact that Sorry, you ahead. I'll never box again. You know, I'll never be in the ring again. I'll never, never feel Is like... Is it a sinking yeah. feeling? What it like? No, I just, like this is, like I'd walk around the house and then you just find yourself like just, just sighing like <laughs> randomly because it just comes back to you. And my wife says, what are you sighing about? I say, oh, you know. Nothing, that yeah, worry about yeah. it. After two kilometres, nestled among the cliffs, the Sheep's Head Lighthouse will come into view with a flight of steps to reach it. Built in 1968, the lighthouse required all building materials to be sourced locally in Kilcrohan and transported via helicopter due to the remoteness of the peninsula. It took a whopping 250 trips to deposit all the materials that were needed. On arriving to the lighthouse, you can see the stone circle laid out among the flat patch of grass as a makeshift helipad. Down below, you'll see the waves crash against the very tip of the peninsula. The perfect place to take a break and breathe in the fresh Atlantic sea air. Today's walk is situated on the Wild Atlantic Way. Make lasting memories on this unforgettable coastal touring route and enjoy breathtaking scenery. To plan your short break on the Wild Atlantic Way, head to the Tales and Trails hub in partnership with Discover Ireland on loven.ie. That is Bear Island there. Beautiful. So, do you miss it? No. Glad to be out <laughs> No, I am. I, I, like, I, I don't mean there's certain aspects. Parts of it you miss. You miss the camaraderie, you're training with people, and obviously the training itself, the buzz from doing that. And the fighting, and the glory, and the kind of, you know, the acclaim, that's best. But that was always going to be the case. I don't miss 
people, a lot of the people you have to deal with, and I don't miss the training as much as I miss the training. I don't miss it, and the sacrifice. But no, I've, I don't. I don't. You're happy. You're happy yeah. to be out. Yeah. And as you said a minute ago, you have a nice little family going for yourself. Yeah, and I'm going to be well. I didn't anticipate it, but um, I recently started with this young kid from Limerick. He's 20 years old, and uh, he's very, very good boxer. His name's Paddy Donovan. So I'm going to be training him and managing him. So keep your eye on Paddy Donovan. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's an exceptional kid and a very nice young man, uh, which is more more important. So, so I'm looking it. forward to seeing what he has to bring. Yeah, bring to the table. But uh, how did you and uh, Maud meet? Me and Maud, it's a long, long story. Um, how long do we have on this podcast? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we met after the Olympics in 2004 at a reception in in the Oris. Um Her cousin was on the Olympic team. Uh, a sailor, Maria Coleman, from not too far from here, actually, Baltimore, West Cork. And uh, she, Maud was her guest, and I was there, obviously, with the team. And it's a lot, a lot of, you know, twists and turns, but that's, that's basically how we met and where we met. And uh, yeah, that was, what, 2004. How many years ago is that now? 15 years ago. Yeah, 15, 16 years. Long, long time. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. And these guys come from completely different backgrounds. How was it trying to like mold into each other's lives? Yeah, was that's, it, was that it was, a bit of that's a challenge, definitely. Was it? Yeah, um, for both of us, for her and for me. Probably, in, um, yeah, for both of us. Because the different cultures, different social kind of do's and don'ts, you know? But uh, yeah, Maud is, she had one of Maud's like, gifts is that she can make anyone feel comfortable around her, you know? And, um, She's very confident, uh, beautiful, but uh, she, yeah, she is. She makes everyone comfortable, and uh, she yeah, she adjusted and I did as well. Uh, and of course, it doesn't. It's not as smooth as that. There are always there. Are, you learn as you go. But uh, we're like, like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how, how romantic I want to be to you. Yeah, go on. I, I can see you blushing here already. It's the scenery that's getting you yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. I know. Everything, like even from listening to other like interviews and even chatting with you today, like everything you say is just seems to be so positive. You ooze positivity. I don't know if you know if you know that, but you just ooze positivity. You, is it a conscious thing? Do you know this? No, I would. I don't know. No, I wouldn't. I don't think I am. I think, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's, it's easy to be positive. Like when you're reflecting on your life and career, and you've had the outcome that you want, especially when you like something like becoming a world champion as a boxer so it's very that's I, I will always speak positively about that and I like I don't know there's no I can't come up with like a little <laughs> three word sentence to put I don't like want you like I don't need life is what you make it isn't it you know and you get out what you put in and there's nothing there's nothing got or gained without hard work and there's no there's no easy way around it I don't think there's anybody who's been successful in any aspect of life sport, business or whatever it may be and if they don't work hard, like that's that's the one thing that will everyone if I've ever admired or is, or have ever looked up to has always said that it's hard work. And that's it. Simple, simple as that. So just put in the work. Yeah. Be a happy man. Yeah, work hard, and it pays you back. Thanks thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for having me here. It's like I said, this probably be a place I'd never see, and I'm actually really blown away by it. Same as myself. Let's yeah. enjoy the views. Let's enjoy the view. Thanks a million, Andy. <laughs> Returning via the north coast of Sheep's Head, the pack gets a little wilder as you continue overlooking the sheer cliffs. Turning your back on Bear Island, you'll head inland back to where you started. 
Finishing at Bernie's Cup on Tay, where you'll find indoor and outdoor seating. Perfect for some lunch, a cup of tea, or just to rest and take in the views one last time. To plan and book your next short break in County Cork, the Tales and Trails Hub, in partnership with Discover Ireland, is a bounty of information on the best walks all around the country for your next short break. From the spectacular Wild Atlantic Way to the serene beauty of Ireland's hidden highlands, the epic Ireland's ancient east or the surprises of Dublin, you're sure to find a walking break to suit you and your family. Just the break you're looking for. Make sure to share your trail photos using the hashtag LoveandTalesAndTrails. It's always important to be respectful of the wildlife and surrounding environment, so make sure to leave the trail as you found it. Visit LeaveNoTraceIreland.org for more information. Tales and Trails podcast is in partnership with Discover Ireland. Learn more about exploring the best walks of Ireland's wild Atlantic way at loveand.ie forward slash Tales and Trails. Walking makes your break.